Welcome to Intrepid Media, the show for the business professional. Here, we're going to talk about business topics such as leadership, sales, marketing, HR, innovation, strategy, and technology. But we're also going to riff about lifestyle too and help you look better, feel better, and live better. This show is everything the modern business professional needs, from the C-level executive to the millennial. So let's get on with the show. All right. Good morning and welcome back to the Intrepid Show. I am your host, Todd Schnick. You know, I was just saying this before I, we went live on the show here that uh, we do a lot of leadership development conversations on this network. And today's conversation is going to be yet another really impactful, very important conversation in that space of developing leaders and, and frankly, affecting change and, and taking that to the next level. So it's going to be a real interesting conversation. I'm looking forward to joined this morning by Kate Sweetman. She is the co-founder and chief client officer with the consulting firm Sweetman Cragen and the co-author of a new book, which we're principally here to talk about called Reinvention, Accelerating Results in the Age of Disruption. Kate, welcome to the show. Todd, I'm so happy to be here. Thank uh, you for having me. Oh, my pleasure. I appreciate you making time. Now you're rolling out this uh, book, and so I know you're awfully busy, so I appreciate you stopping by. So, Kate, before we get into the book, Reinvention, take a few quick seconds. Tell us a bit about you, your background, and then give us a quick overview of Sweetman Cragen. Oh, well, thanks very much. Yes, so I've been working in the field of leadership development for uh, quite a long time, and it's funny because um, I feel like I've, I've, I've followed the changes in the world. started out doing a lot of work in the U.S. and have expanded into the Middle East and Asia, even North Africa. So at this point, I've had the amazing experiences of dealing with leaders from all over the planet. And that's part of what we try to reflect in this book. Anyway, you know, before you just prompted another question. So leadership and coaching leaders and developing leaders and, and helping drive change and reinvention within individuals and organizations, is it different in the U.S. versus internationally or the principles and the humanity pretty much the same? That's a great question. And actually, it was a question mark in my own mind until we were able to do so in a different incarnation. Just real quick, I for three years from 2011 to 2014, I was the head of research and development for a firm in Malaysia. And one of the main things that I did there was do a, an Asian-wide study of leadership and followership. So we were, we looked deeply into 18 different countries in Asia. And the question we really were, well, the real question we were trying to answer is, is all this stuff that we say about leadership really just, uh, you know, sort of Western ideas? Or are there universals of leadership that apply no matter where you go? And we had a really open mind about it. And the, the big takeaway is, yes, there are cultural differences around what it is people say that they value and sort of how things are expressed. And fundamentally, I came away very firmly convinced that we actually have sort of basic humanity around how we want to be treated and what excites us about working for a leader that is really universal. Yeah, very cool. So in other words, this book is, is global. It can serve a worldwide audience, which is very, very cool. All right. So reinvention, accelerating results in the age of disruption. So this is a typical question I ask of an author I'm interviewing who has written on a subject where if you were to go to Amazon and type in leadership or type in change or type in even reinvention, there's probably thousands of titles. So, so why would the world need this book? What, what prompted you and, and Shane Craig and your co-author, why did you guys have to put this book out there? That's a great question. And we get asked that a lot. In fact, part of my deep background is that I used to be an editor at Harvard Business Review. 
quite a while back. And so I've always kept up on the literature around leadership and it's gone through a lot of uh, evolutions and, you know, we don't need to get into the details around that. But when Shane and I reconvened, we'd, we'd met each other years before and then we just sort of ran into each other by accident in the summer of 2014. And we were talking about leadership and our own experience with working in change and leadership. And we spent quite a bit of time saying, you know, what does the world need right now? I mean, what does the world really re- need right now? Because we are living this time of incredible change and disruption. And we came away saying, you know what? The principal job of leaders in this day and age is to recognize that if you're not moving faster than the speed of change, you're falling behind. And that really is what it boils down to. So our focus is on creating exceptional leadership. Our our tagline is leadership for a world in motion. And that's because we firmly believe that everybody, everybody who wants to be a leader needs to understand that what they've got to do is really accelerate the pace of understanding action and then change in the people who are around them. It's my sense, Kate, that most people don't understand that, that they, that they, there's still this, there's still this fear of change and, and uh, I don't, I don't really want to change. I don't like change. I'm not comfortable with change. And the point that I'm making is I think in today's business now, not just in the U S I think this is a, a global phenomena is that change is the new normal, right? There's, there's, yeah. it's constant change. And, and until you accept that, until you embrace that and say, all right, now I'm understanding that, boy, then I can adapt and evolve my thinking my and, and how I lead and, and how I deal with my leaders. You're stuck if you don't, if you don't understand that change is just now a, almost an everyday thing. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. It, it is an everyday thing. And I think it is. And honestly, we learned so much just as we were investigating the writing of this book. First of all, was it worth it to write this book? You know, and secondly, did we have something to say? And one of the things that we really came to understand is that exactly what you're saying. And and we have this notion in the book that we call the reinvention agility matrix, where we where we break out, you know, what are the different kinds of reactions that people can have to change? And about half the people are, you know, willing to change uh, to different degrees. We, we have this notion of, you know, the judo champion. These are the people who really champion change. They're the first ones to adopt a new innovation. They've got this whole notion of, you know, change before you have to, you know, really try to understand what it is that was going on and then like, you know, jump in there. You know, these are really enthusiastic people who are really confident about their ability to do that. And they, and they have ways of doing it. So that's really important. You know, at the, at the, um, and then there's people that we call change agile. Um, this is probably where I, where, where I fit in. I'm, I'm not, my co-author Shane, I would call him a judo champion. He is the guy who's jumping onto the new thing. I want to do the new thing. I'm very willing to change. I, I feel like I'm very, you know, flexible in many ways, but I do want to know that there's benefit to it. You know, I do want to, I, so I, I'm a little bit more the, that person who's saying, okay, let me really understand the ROI of this. At the other end of the spectrum are people that we call, you know, in terms of they're just, they just don't see it at all. And they're having a really hard time changing. And unless they have a very strong understanding you know, a, a, a deep dissatisfaction with what's going on right now and have a really good sense of where they're going to go and how they're going to go and who's going to go with them. Unless the whole thing is really laid out for them, they have a very hard time moving forward. So we, in our work, we, we really try to understand that there's 
there's these judo champions, there's these change agile people, and then there's people, you know, who just don't want to change. And a lot of the job of the leader is to understand where their followership is and help them along that, you know, wherever it is they are on the continuum to get to a new place. So I understand that a leader, maybe maybe it's simple today to, to say, hey, we have to change. I understand that the environment is shifting and we need to uh, adapt our organization to better thrive in, in our current environment. So it's one thing to say we have to do this. And that, in my view, I think that's actually easy to do. The hard part is actually driving it, right, and, and affecting yeah. it and, and getting your organization and your team to buy into that change. Because that's the hard part, right? I mean, is that is that the main skill that a leader today needs to, to be able to do to succeed? That's exactly right. I and mean, that's what we would say. I mean, we would say, first of all, is you need to understand that, you know, you need to understand that you've got to change, you know, internally. You've got to be able to change faster and more dynamically than the speed and magnitude of external change. And you also need to create internal change capacity, meaning your people. They have to have the capacity and the capability to change. So we actually have, you know, in an effort to make this something that is manageable for people, we've boiled it down to what we call our reinvention formula. And the reinvention formula basically has sort of a, you know, you know four elements that have to do with change, which are creating a sense of dissatisfaction. I mean, people need to realize that what they're doing right now is really not going it, to, it's not going to provide them the stability and comfort that they, that they seem to crave, you know? Right. In fact, they're, what they're doing is it's leaving them in a place of danger. And they need to have a sense of where to go, you know, a focal point about where to go. Yeah, see, that's awesome. So, I mean, what I've heard you guys say, and this made my head hurt trying to think on it, because uh, I think this is, again, just taking it a little bit deeper. This is the crux of successfully reinvention, re- reinventing yourself and, and, and driving change is, is I heard you guys say it's not about changing when you have to. It's changing before you have to. And that becomes – and that's – and the people who do that – are the people who end up being like Steve Jobs and getting films made about them. I mean, th- those are the people that are really game-changing business, right? When, when they understand, when they're a little bit ahead of the curve in realizing, hey, it, I, I'm looking ahead, I'm looking where the puck's going to be, and that's we have to, we have to change and drive reinvention now before it becomes a crisis, right? I, yeah, I love that analogy. I mean, there are some people in this world, and these are the change champions, who are very light on their feet. You know, they're very light on their feet and they're always looking out there and they're saying, you know, what's my next move? It's Muhammad Ali, right? It's right. like, what's my next move? What's my next move? I'm going to stay ahead of you and that's how I'm going to stay pretty, right? right? You think about, I mean, get outside of the business world and think about, I mean, Prince, for example. Prince, reinventing music all the time. Right. Look at Lady Gaga, reinventing herself all the time. Look at Beyonce, who are very successful, are, are very, it may be their nature, it may be a choice, but they're not so grounded in exactly what it is they must do now. I think they're grounded in their confidence. I think they're grounded in their desire to succeed. I think they're grounded in their abilities to shift around and have the people around them support them in doing that because nobody ever succeeds alone. Um, But they're not grounded in I have to be a this, you know, or, or I have to be a that. I am a blues singer and I am never going to move. Right, 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 right. right. Um, and then there's people, you, you know, who, who, who experiment and it doesn't work and that's fine. And they go on to the next thing because they know that that's what they're doing. 
And they and they thrive in that environment, and they recognize that's what it takes. That's what it takes. All right, Kate Sweetman and I will return after this short break. We'll be right back. Think Next, Act Now is an entrepreneurial movement. It is a teaching platform, a coaching forum that emphasizes action. And the link between thought and action makes a difference in the outcome you determine or the result that's determined for you. When you see, seize, and create opportunity for yourself, you take a big step toward becoming recession-proof and changing your life. If you are determined to make a change in your life, Think Next, Act Now will provide the essential toolkit to move your life forward. Only realized potential cashes the check of reality. Now is the time to realize your potential. Think next, act now, and go always forward. To learn more, go to BillWoodich.com. That's BillWoodich.com. All right, I am back with Kate Sweetman, the co-author of a new book, Reinvention, Accelerating Results in the Age of Disruption. So, Kate, leading off the second half, I want to talk about that book title because there's two words in there that I think are words that I think people, if you ask 10 people to define reinvention, if you ask 10 people to define what, in fact, is the age of disruption, I think you're going to get 10 different answers. And therein lies a challenge, and therein lies also an opportunity. So let's lead off this segment by having you walk us through what exactly do you guys mean by both reinvention and and what do you mean by that we are, in fact, in the age of disruption? That's terrific. Let me start with the age of disruption because I think that that's what's really, I mean, obviously that's what's really driving this, this reinvention notion, right? But we live in a world that is very tumultuous and ever changing. And, you know, my antenna are always up on this because this is the world that we live in. And I think if anybody reads the paper, listens to the news, what we're seeing is that on every single front, whether it's technology or, you know, social aspects, government, markets, there is just constant, constant shifting going on. Uh, this will date this will date this broadcast, but um, look at Brexit. This call was just yesterday. Good heavens. I don't think even David Cameron expected that it was going to happen. Right. Right. Well, and, even and voters did. there didn't think it was going to happen. They just were protesting. Exactly. And so now they've either got to deal with it or they've got to like quickly reinvent the reinvention and right, get right. things out of it. Exactly. But um, but th- these things are 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 going on everywhere. And you know, as I mentioned before, we travel the globe and we look around and we see what's happening. And there is no place on this planet that is not undergoing change. For example, I was in Dubai last week or last week last year, and I I attended a conference on a fintech conference on reinvention and even in the middle east where people don't normally associate with high degrees of innovation right because we all i mean it's sort of statistically the case that innovation is much more coming out of the west united states britain and uh and yet even there what they're saying is we need to be people who are reinventing you know how we live and what we do and and how all of our industries are working so this this um, was a financial services technology conference that's trying very hard to very quickly bring these new technologies, you know, from from the dongle to to uh, all sorts of social apps on uh, into um, financial services. And you go to a place like Dubai, and they've done an enormously effective job of reinventing government in terms of how people deal with getting their car licenses, you know, their auto licenses 
to to everything else that they need to do. I think that they're farther advanced than any place I've ever seen. So there's reinventions coming all over the place, from all over the place, you know, from coming out of garages and coming out of government. It's just turbulence. Here's the thing I want people to understand, and tell me if you agree with me, is that if you were to boldly declare, let's say you were sitting in front of an audience of, of a thousand business people, from executives down to the front line, and say, people, we are in the age of disruption, period. And you were just to pause, I think two-thirds of that audience would say, oh, that's not a good thing. And a third would say, yes, this is, this is an amazing opportunity and a great time to actually be in business. That's what we want people to be thinking, right? That, that yes, we are, in fact, in an age of disruption, but that's a good thing. Because I think most people still are afraid of that. I totally agree. I mean, you know, Jim Collins has this great, this great phrase that he says, confront the brutal facts. Right. You know, unless you can confront the brutal facts, you can't go on. And the fact of the matter is, we do need to address that. It's like you just might as well go ahead and say, you know what? It's, it's, we are just going to be shifting on shifting and shifting. And so if I don't want to get left behind, what do I need to learn how to do? And part of that is going to be, you know, technical stuff. And part of that's going to be skill sets. But what it really, really is, is just a mental shift that says, this isn't scary. This is actually exciting. I had a really fun talk uh, in Toronto a few weeks ago. And this young lady who was really wonderful, she'd come up to me before the session and she said, oh, I just want you to know that I really love change. I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait to hear you talk. So we did the talk. And at the end, she pops up her hand. She goes, oh, I just want you to know I really love change. I, I embrace change. Goodbye, I have one question. And I said, well, what's the question? And she said, how do I make sure it doesn't affect my day? Oh. And so, you know, I had to double check that. Um, and that's actually what she meant. And the thing is, she was speaking for a lot of people, which is, I, I actually love the idea that we're going to have all these new technologies. I love the idea that we'll be, you know, wearing space packs and floating out, you know. But how does it not affect my day? And the fact is, it does affect your day. And what I wish I had thought to say to her is, how do you know your day today is the best day you could ever have? You know, why would you think that how you're spending your time and energy today is optimal? Because actually, if you just, you know, loosen up a little bit and you realize, hey, what change is going to mean is that I'm going to be having new relationships. Maybe those are going to be great relationships. What change is going to mean is I'm going to be learning every single day how to do something differently. That could actually be pretty exciting. You know, what I'm going to be finding out is that the routine parts of what I've been, of how I've been conducting my life are going to get smaller and the novel parts of my life are going to get larger. And I think that's how you stay fresh and young. So I think that it's just a mindset that says, I'm excited to learn. I'm excited to meet new people. I'm excited to do new things. And, and I think that you just, if you can get yourself into that place, then this is going to be a world of opportunity and growth. And, and it's not going to be scary because, because we can do that. We're, we're programmed to do that. You know, kids, they lie flat, they start crawling, they start walking, they run around, they ride bike. We're programmed to grow and to learn and to find joy in that. And and we need to sort of tap into that as 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 adults. Yep. Well, the the opportunity for uh, opportunity and growth as an individual, yes, that, that's where you grow, that's where you become stronger and and maybe more powerful and that's where you're going to start living a life that you'll not regret on your deathbed. And then the opportunity for for opportunity and growth for an organization. This is where you stay ahead of the curve. This is where you continue to innovate. This is where you continue to be creative and, and move and survive in what, yeah. as you said, is a very tumultuous uh, world that we're in right now. 
And I think from an organizational point of view, again, if people can really embrace that, what they're going to find is that the characteristics of organizations that can succeed at this are organizations you actually want to work in, as opposed to some of the organizations that people live in now. In fact, many of the organizations that people live in now, because you can't change and shift and grow quickly unless you take down silos, unless you take out politics, unless you allow people to speak up, unless you look for new opinions. I mean, the organizations that do that, you know, who, who are open and joyful and confident and sharing and, you know, giving to their people are the organizations that are going to succeed. And those are the organizations that we all want to live in. So I hope I don't sound like Pollyanna here, but I really believe that if people can make all those shifts away from these old mechanical, you know, old style industrial models and get into these these areas, we call it shared energy, that if you can get your organization to a place where each individual is saying, I'm excited to be here. And as an organization, man, we are creating so much positive energy, then that becomes a joyful way to live and work as well as as well as in terms of our own individual growth. Oh, if people think this has nothing to do with talent recruitment, talent management, talent retention, they don't, they have their head buried in the sand, no doubt about it. So, all right, so how do you and Shane define reinvention? Oh, how do we reinvent define reinvention? Basically, if you're not moving faster than the speed of change, you're falling behind. So we call it quantum individual and organizational change. We're basically Everything is on the table. Uh, there, change happens across the spectrum. There is at the at the at the at the sort of easier end of things. There's just continuous improvement, right? And that back in the '80s, when I was starting to work in this field, continuous improvement was something people talked about a lot. And then you get into the notion of renovation, which is you're refreshing for a more meaningful leap. Reinvention is really totally rethinking your business and your ability to compete, perform, and drive results. An, an analogy that I think makes this really clear is thinking about your house, right? right? Continuous improvement is, you know, you're planting some flowers, maybe you redo the, the uh, you know, the carpeting or whatever. That's just continuous improvement. You keep it upgraded, it looks fresh. Renovation, you know what? It's time to take out that kitchen, put in a new kitchen. Time to take out that bathroom, put in a new bathroom. Reinvention is actually what we did in our family a few years ago. Our house burned down. Oh, my. Our house burned down. And for a day, we sort of took that in. And then we said, you know what? Let's look at this as an opportunity because we actually can have a better house. And we actually ended up with a house that had many similar characteristics to the old house because there are many, many things that we loved about it. But it's got a lot better flow. It's much better environmentally. It meets the needs of a, of a family that's, you know, reconfigured itself. And so, you know, it's, it's kind of, you know, keeping your house clean and tidy versus upgrading it to, to make it modern versus completely redoing it because, in fact, you're in a different place in life. Well, that's a great analogy. And it really, really crystallizes in my mind that how, the differences between incremental change and, and dramatic change and reinvention, as you said. And, and thinking about that same model that you just shared with the house, why does change fail? I mean, because especially reinvention, I mean, it's it's hard to get disciplined to maintain your house. I mean, how many houses out there are people don't really clean it very well? They don't keep, <laughs> they don't keep the carpet fresh. They don't have a they're not maintaining it very well, let alone are they remodeling or even rebuilding? I mean, so why 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 is this so hard? Why is change and reinvention so hard? That's funny. And it's true. And it's true. Well, it really is a disappointment. Well, I actually got partway through what I called our reinvention formula earlier in this call. And so let me finish it out. So what you really need to do is you need to help people go through a change process. 
And it helps an awful lot if you have some kind of formula or paradigm for that, which we do. So the first thing you need to do if you want people to go through change is to create a sense of dissatisfaction. Either tap into their existing dissatisfaction. Think of Brexit, <laughs> right? Right. Or, or help them to get a sense of dissatisfaction. Listen, this isn't going to work. Give them a place to focus on. And then you've got to align resources around that, right? It isn't just going to happen. You've got to make sure that everything works around it. And then you've got to give, and then you've got to be able to execute against that. So that's sort of a, a formula that we've got. But all of those four things, those are just activities, right? Those are never going to get any traction. They're not going to go anywhere or do anything unless you've got the leadership that's going to ensure that it happens. It's just like keeping your house up, right? Unless somebody owns that, it's okay to make your list. You can make your to-do lists all day long. But unless somebody's going to own it and drive it and make sure it happens and help other people understand their roles in it, it isn't going to happen. Well, it's, it's, it's what we were saying earlier. It's what we were saying earlier that that it's the, lead, the a successful change agent or, or a successful leader of driving change isn't just saying, "Hey, we got we have to change," and I'm going to put up a new motivational poster over the front desk, and that's going to mean we're on our way. No, because <laughs> again, it goes down to executing this change, and that's where that's where most of it fails. Right? It's one thing to talk about it; it's another thing to actually achieve it. Yeah, yeah, you know, an analogy that we use all the time, which I think people can really resonate with, is Alcoholics Anonymous, which uh, probably a lot of people know what that process is. They have their 12-step process. But the first thing, you know, let's say something, something is as terrible a disease as alcoholism is, you can't get somebody else to change unless they want to. Right. They have to have a deep feeling of dissatisfaction. They have to have gotten to a place where maybe they've lost their house, maybe they've lost their job, maybe they've lost their spouse, maybe they've lost their kids. They have to get to a place where their sense of dissatisfaction is so great that it will overcome the inertia. So as a change agent, as a leader, you need to be thinking about that. You need to be thinking, where are these people on this critical aspect of dissatisfaction? They need to know that we're going to lose customers. They need to know that we're going to lose market share. They need to know, you know, they need to know what the real danger is. So there's a huge communication piece that has to happen here that has to touch people where they are. In terms of focus, again, going back to the alcoholic, not only have they lost a lot, they need to know where they can go. They need to have a sense that if they are willing to make changes, they can actually regain some of what they lost. They have a place and they may not regain exactly who they had, right? Because maybe those things are so gone, right. but they can re-enter society. They can get healthy relationships again. They can, you know, they can, they can, they can go somewhere. There also needs to be alignment. I mean, one of the things we know about prisons, and this is true of alcoholics too, if you take a, a young person out of prison and put them back in the exact same environment that they were in, they're not going to be able, whatever positive intentions they have, whatever promises they may have made to themselves, you know, to stay straight. And this is true of alcoholics. This is true of drug addicts. It is just about impossible to do if they are, if everything aligned around them is the old way, right? They need to go into a new fresh place with other people who have different habits, different values, different ways of interacting with the world, different ways of taking accountability. And then the third thing, the execution is you need to have a plan. You need to have a way to go about it. You need to get started, you know, one foot at a time. So, so what the leader needs to do, 
the leader needs to really help ensure that that dissatisfaction is there, that that sense of focus is there, that the alignments around the people are not alignments that are going to draw them back into old patterns, but that are actually going to bring them forward into new patterns, and that there is a plan, there's stuff that they can do so that they can start to see that, in fact, this is going to be a successful road that they're on. Well, that third element, having everything in alignment so they're not falling back into old patterns, I think that is, you probably have much more data than I do, but that strikes me in my personal experiences where a lot of this change fails, is that you you come out of this rah-rah board meeting and you're all fired up and you've got the new logo and you've got the new motivational posters on the walls and all that, but then you fall back in your old routines and that thing just dies. Absolutely, and that's why when we look at things like leadership development, which is a big part of what our business is, and that's a lot of what I've been doing for the last forget how many years, <laughs> many, many years, <laughs> um, is that, and one of the things that people complain about, rightly so, is that we poured all this money into leadership development, but what changed? And one of the reasons why is because, you know, we take leaders out as individuals and we put them through some program and then they come back, but they're back in the exact same place that they were. They're back in the, they're surrounded by the same people. They're surrounded by the same attitudes. They're surrounded by the same systems and processes and programs. And if you really want your people to come back and be able to do something differently, all of that has to change too. And that's why we view leadership development actually as a change process. And a lot of what we're doing in our own work, trying to walk the talk and live the, live the new world is to use uh, various forms of technology so that when people come back, first of all, they go through as a cohort, not as an individual, but also when they come back that there's just ongoing and continuous support because it's so easy to fall back into old patterns and you've just got to constantly be helping people to say, no, I'm doing it differently. Hey, it's exciting to do it differently. I've got support. We have common language. We have common energy around you know this new place that we are in. Leadership development is a change process in itself. Boy, that's, uh, I've never heard anyone say that. That, and that is so, so true. Wow. I'll have to think about that one a bit, uh, long. It's not an episode. It's not an episode. It's not a three day dip in the learning pool, you know, as, right. as my old boss used to say. It's a, it's a whole process and it needs to be supported. And the, the great thing about it is in this day and age, we have supports. You know, we have technology apps. We have, you know, online things, but we need to meet people where they're at and we need to understand that nobody has a lot of time to do this. So we, we've been trying to be really clever about, you know, how we provide that support to people when they go back into the, into the real world. All right. When you're ready, when an organization or frankly, even an individual is ready to lead a, and dive into a change effort, how do you start? I mean, it's, it's more than just putting up Kate's reinvention formula map on a wall. Uh, it, it, what, I mean, what do you really have to do? I mean, how do you really effectively get this process started? I think you need to go to why it is we're doing this. That, I mean, Simon Sinek wrote a book called The Why of Change. I think it's called The Why of Change. I think it's called anyway, Start With Why. Start With Why. Start With Why. Anyway, start with why. I mean, we're dealing with grownups here, and people need to know why. Why am I bothering? Why are you asking me to do this thing? What difference is it going to make? What difference does it make to the company? What difference does it make to me? I mean, you're asking me to really reach out and do, and it takes a lot of effort. I need to know why this matters. And when people know why something matters, when they really understand why something matters, it's incredible what they can do. It's incredible what people can do when they understand why, when they have, it's another, it's another way of saying a sense of purpose, right? I mean, when you just look at history, the Battle of Britain. I mean, why did people stay there when they're getting bombed every day? Because it was very important to stay there because that was how we were going to show we were not defeated. 
You know, it's incredibly powerful when you can get people to the why. But as a leader, you need to understand that very clearly yourself. You need to find ways to articulate that. You need to find ways to connect into people if they need an analogy, if they need a story, if they need a picture. You've got to be creative and help meet people where they are. Well, and and as a leader, the answer isn't because I said so. The the (laughs) answer is because it'll be good for profits. The answer has to be... It has to, the impact has to be to that individual, to that person. Why am I going to get up every morning and come to work? Because I have to understand the meaning of what I'm doing and the impact that's going to have. And, and, and that's, and that's when this thing really gets really, the rubber really hits the road, right? I mean, it's not exactly. just, you don't pass out a memo and say, here's the reason the board's made the decision to do this. Uh, it has to be. You have to. It, this goes down to a, to a person by person level. I mean, you have to understand yes. why each individual in that organization, that team, has to understand the why, right? Yeah, exactly right. And in fact, they're not even influenced by what the board wants or even what the CEO wants if they're further down the organization. They're influenced by what their boss believes. Right. And they're influenced by what their team believes. And I, I mentioned to you earlier that we had done this research in Asia around, you know, leadership and followership. And it was really fascinating results. And one of the things that we discovered was that one of the questions we asked is, you know, what's your model of the ideal leader? And we thought in India, they'd say Mahatma Gandhi. And guess what? They did. You know, and, and, and then we said, forget your ideal leader. Forget, you know, whatever country you're in. Forget it is. How about your leader? How, what is it you wish they did? And what we found was absolutely fascinating because when it came, when, when people originally said what they cared about in a leader was all about vision and, and this stuff. When it came to their actual leader, the people that they would line up and work hard behind, you know, give them that discretionary effort you know, stay late if that's what was required once in a while. What it was, was did they understand me and who I am and where I want to go? Yeah. Kate, I have about 40 different questions I want to ask, a lot of different directions I want to go. And me thinks we're going to have to have you back because there's a lot more to explore here. But for today, I'm afraid we're about out of time. Before I let you go, should anyone have any questions, how can they contact you? How can they learn more about Sweetman Cragen? And most importantly, where can they get their hands on a copy of Reinvention? Well, thank you. Well, our book, Reinvention, Accelerating Results in the Age of Disruption, is on Amazon.com and on BarnesandNoble.com. It's easily found on our website, which is www.sweetmancragen.com. That's Sweetman, like sweet man, and Cragen, C-R-A-G-U-N.com. And we'd love to have you visit. All right. Kate Sweetman, the co-founder and chief client officer with Sweetman Cragen and the co-author of the new book, Reinvention, Accelerating Results in the Age of Disruption. Kate, uh, great fun today. Thank you so much for stopping by and joining me. My pleasure, Todd. Thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. All right. It's all the time we have for today. Again, on behalf of my guest, Kate Sweetman, I am Todd Schnick. We'll see you soon on Intrepid Radio.